Have you ever said or maybe just thought any of these things? Every day, I still have so much left on my to-do list. I'm just not getting enough done. I need to be more productive. Why can't I do all of this? And then you go and Google how to be more productive or you rewrite your to-do list or you just walk away from it with overwhelm and put on Netflix. What even is productivity? I bet that if I asked five of you to tell me what it means, you'd each give me a slightly different answer. The thing is, over the years, the meaning of productivity has evolved, starting with agricultural productivity to industrial productivity, and now we tend to think of productivity on a personal level, that it's about getting things done, as many things as possible, all the things, smarter, better, faster, stronger. And then, of course, when we can't do all the things, we feel like there's something wrong with us and that we're just not productive enough. Repeat, repeat. Hey friends, and welcome to episode 69 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire women seeking better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode is all about productivity on a personal level. We are not machines, and there's way more to being productive than just crossing things off a to-do list. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a good to-do list, as long as it's short and filled with the most important things. And once you hear today's guest, Katie Wusso, share her philosophy of productivity and how she helps creative business owners achieve their goals without the overwhelm, you might rethink your to-do list and your idea of productivity too. So let me tell you all about Katie Wusso. Katie Wusso is a business coach, finance teacher, and life mentor that teaches early stage creative entrepreneurs the foundational, financial, and business strategies they need to turn their passions into profits. After earning her degree in finance and business honors from the University of Texas and experiencing early career success, it didn't take long for Katie to realize that her heart lies not with municipal governments and big business, but with the energy and passion of creative entrepreneurs. On her podcast, The Game Changer, Katie shares how creative entrepreneurs can combine smart strategy with personal development to create game-changing results in life and business. As a coach, she's developed the Thrive Business Bootcamp, an online group coaching program for creative entrepreneurs who lack a background in business so they can learn the right steps for taking their business to the next level. In today's conversation with Katie, she reveals the first step to letting go of productivity-fueled overwhelm. She explains why knowing your priorities is the key to unlocking true productivity. Katie also clears up the confusion so many of us have about the difference between priorities, projects, tasks, and goals. And finally, she shares tactical ways to actually stick to the commitments you've made to yourself. 
You can find links to all of the productivity tools and resources Katie and I discussed in this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 69, including the books we mentioned, two of my favorites, Gretchen Rubin's Better Than Before and Cal Newport's Digital Minimalism. Finally, I want to thank you again for tuning in and being a fan. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to click the subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. If you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Kornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Kornick. Hey, Katie, and welcome to It's About Time. I am so excited to talk with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So just a little bit of backstory. Katie and I actually met several years ago. Gosh, it must have been 2017 or 2018, maybe, in New Orleans at a conference for creative entrepreneurs called Venture Pop. It seems like a hundred years ago at this point. I know, I know, I know. And while it was so, so many years ago, Katie and I were able to reconnect uh, via social media and see what each other are up to now. And so I am so delighted to host her on It's About Time and to share her with all of you. So Katie, welcome. Thanks so much. So before we jumped in, I gave everybody the official Katie Wusso rundown with your bio, but I would love to hear, as always, in your own words, how you spend your time. Yeah, so I I live in Washington, D.C. Um, I'm actually from, born and raised in Texas, and we lived in Texas for our whole lives until 2017, so we moved to Washington, D.C., and I have a husband and two kids. My kids are in second and fourth grade, and we all have been spending a lot of time at home um, since March, you know, like for like for everybody. Uh, my kids have been doing virtual school, so they still, you know, full time are at, are at home doing virtual school. My husband and I work from home as well in our two bedroom condo in the city. Um, so we're spending a lot of time at home, but during my, during my working hours, I'm a business coach. I help creative entrepreneurs, uh, put solid business plans in place for their businesses so they can make, um, good money, consistent income doing what they love to do. Um, and so that looks like, uh, coaching people, creating content. I have a podcast, um, all of a lot of similar stuff that you do, Anna, in your work. And in my very limited spare time, I, um, I really love cooking. I cook a lot, cook three meals a day for four people that are all working and schooling from home. And I, um, 
I enjoy CrossFit. I've been doing CrossFit for about seven years. So I try to, you know, I feel like if you are a working parent, you kind of like fitness and hobby kind of has to like cross. That has to be one thing. It's one category. So I have fitness as my hobby, thankfully, for the past seven years. And, you know, I thankfully am still able to do that to to an extent in this crazy time. So those are some of the things I do. We're involved in our uh, we're Christians. We're involved in our local church. So that's definitely a part of our lives as well. And um, yeah, just try to enjoy and relax in our in our spare time when we're not working and raising kids. Right. Yes. I know that that sounds familiar to so many people who are listening right now, especially when you mentioned the virtual school that so many of us have been thrown into in the last year. Um, I actually, Katie, lived in D.C., about a decade ago. I'd love to know what part of the city you live in. Yeah, we live in Northwest DC, uh, really, really close to National Cathedral. Um, yes. The yeah. The neighborhood's called Glover Park. Yes, Glover Park. I had friends that lived in Glover Park and it looks like it should be said Glover, but it's definitely Glover. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know who made that decision. Probably the person that was named Glover, but right. yes, it's Glover Park and we we love DC. It's been a great place to live. Yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful area. We were actually, my husband Scott and I were actually talking about planning a trip to DC at some point in 2020 before, you know, everything changed. Um, And so we're looking forward to getting back up there and visiting and showing him all the old stomping grounds. I actually lived on the hill when I lived in DC and it was just such a fun time to be a young person living in the city. And um, just really enjoyed it. So I have to know, what's your favorite type of food to cook? Oh my gosh, I cook a lot of different stuff. I, I'm I really like curries or stews <laughs> or things things that all go in like one delicious pot. Yum. Um, I love like whether it's a soup or a stew or like some sort of curry that goes over rice. I just I think it's really fun to cook them because you really can't mess them up. And you can experiment a little bit. Yeah. So as we're recording this, it is so cold in Louisiana right now. And all I want is soups and stews and chilies and just the kind of food that warms your bones. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, how convenient that you absolutely, that you love to cook and that ends up being an outlet for you. That's fantastic. And I totally know what you mean about how uh, fitness and hobby end up going together. That's definitely multitasking that I can get behind. Yeah, it's, it's necessary. I mean, I, I admire people that have other hobbies besides, you know, and and manage to exercise and work and have a family, but I just am not that person. Right. Right. Sometimes you just got to double up. So you are a business coach for creative entrepreneurs, but it's my understanding that you weren't always a, a business coach for creatives. Tell me a little bit about what led you to serving creatives in this way. Yeah, it is a little some. It is a question that people ask me a lot. So like, why creatives? How did you, because so many people that are business coaches for creatives are also creatives. They're photographers yeah. or designers or, you know, people that have built a business around that and then also wow. added business coaching. Yes. Um, often they start as creatives first and then, right. Exactly. Exactly. But that's not me. So I actually was a court, I have a degree in finance. Um, I, and I was a corporate consultant 
for about five years. Um, and in my corporate consulting days, I was actually, you know, strategy and financial planning consultant in our, my client base were large public utilities. So we would work with cities and, and counties and other governmental entities to make sure that their utilities were operating, you know, efficiently, making enough money, had good strategies in place and all of that stuff. So it was, it was a type of business, a utility is a business, but it was, it was mm-hmm. public sector. Um, and so I did that for five years as an employee. And then when my, when my daughter was born, I went freelance. Um, and essentially I was a contractor to my old job for another five yeah. years. It was about 10 years total in the corporate space. And that's where I, that's where I learned all of the basic skills that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how to work with clients, how, like, how to, how to, how to sell to clients, how to manage client relationships uh, and all of the, the building block tools that I use now. Um, but I knew it wasn't, you know, working in the corporate space, I, I saw into my future, so to speak, as somebody who did not want to do all the traveling and do the nine to five grind and, and mm-hmm. surrender all of that control to my corporate corporate job. Um, but I still, I still wanted to work and I didn't just want to do something. I wanted to, I wanted to be ambitious in it. And so I didn't, I didn't see a future in that corporate, in that particular industry and in that particular, um, company to continue to sort of meet my own standards, so to speak, and, and really be successful and also, be able to be available and present for my family. Like I didn't see those two things working together. So I knew if I yeah. wanted to, to keep pushing myself and to keep growing, I, I needed to, um, create another way. And so that's where in 2017, I decided to start my business and, you know, have, be a consultant, have my own client base. And like, like everybody does when they first start a business, you're kind of a yes person for a while. Like I can do that. Sure. I can do that. Sure. I'll work with you. I kind of did anything that I, that I felt like I could like reasonably do. Right. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to be a, a, you know, sell people something I couldn't do, but I, everything that I thought I could help people with, I did. And all I knew was I wanted to work with small businesses, Mm -hmm. but even a small business that it's like, it's not very specific, right? It's. Oh, that is still very broad. Technically Justin Bieber is considered a small business. Exactly. I mean, you can have a huge business and still be considered a small business. And so, (laughs) so I needed to, to really clarify even further who I was trying to help and how I wanted to help them. Um, And it just so happened that probably the first of the first 10 clients that I got, I would say seven or eight of them were graphic designers, interior designers, photographers, wedding planners, all of these very creative people that were like, I know my craft, but I don't know business. And I knew business and I didn't have to know their craft because they knew their craft. And so it just, it just ended up being a really, um, kind of a, um, a serendipitous discovery that my, my exact skill set was something that a particular, a particular ideal client knew that they needed and actually wanted help with. So Mm -hmm. that was how it all came about. And it was probably six to 12 months into my business that I decided to make the, the niche official. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. You know, I, I can relate, especially in those early days of starting a business. I, when you come from a background like finance or 
for me, I spent a decade in crisis communications, PR, and government affairs. There really are so many different things that you can do. And having that first year, year and a half to trial and error and see what feels right and see what makes sense. And like you said, to allow for the serendipitous opportunities to present themselves. I mean, you probably didn't dream that your first seven or so clients would all have that common thread of being creative entrepreneurs. Yeah. And and even that you know, I try to tell people because defining a clear niche for what you do is really challenging. Um, yes. But you really don't know until you start trying things what is going to resonate. Mm-hmm. Because it was a surprise to me that all of these people that had businesses felt like they were so lost on the business side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I heard Seth Godin say the other day, I thought it was so brilliant. And he said, if you, you choose your customers, choose your life basically. So if yes. you if you decide that your business is going to be based on um is going to be based on people who don't really think that they need your help, don't really want to spend money on you, don't really feel like, you know, you're doing something important, you're going to have a really hard life. Definitely. But if if you choose to focus your business on people that are like, I absolutely need help with that. I would love to work with you. This is something I really need. I really recognize is valuable, then life's going to get a little bit better for you. Yeah, absolutely. I I very early on am able to kind of suss out through interactions whether or not um, someone, whether a business owner or just a business or an individual is someone that I want to work with based on how respectful they are of my time. Do they do they show up when we have appointments? Do they follow through with commitments early on? And if not, I, you know, wish them well often recommend them to someone else and then move on because it is so true. Choosing your customers really is choosing your life. And on the customer note, you know, my, um, my listeners range from being creative entrepreneurs themselves to realtors, to people in the legal field, you know, how, how exactly would you define creative entrepreneur just to make sure that we're all clear in who you serve? Yeah, it's definitely not. It, there's some. There's an aspect of it that's self-identifying, right? Mm-hmm. If somebody identifies themselves that way, um, maybe they maybe they're a social media manager, but they they the way that they think and the way that they they approach their life is is more creative. Um, but really, anybody that is a service-based business, if you are doing a service for someone, is somebody that that falls under my umbrella. I specifically mm-hmm. talk a lot about creatives because that's my focus, but I, I definitely get a lot of coaches, a lot of um, kind of consultancy types um, yeah. and, you know, financial advisor, anybody that's, that's offering a service, um, you know, to their, to their clients. Yes. Okay. Service-based businesses. Got it. Well, Katie, you definitely have a lot on your plate as a wife and a mom and a CrossFitter, let's be honest, got to get those workouts of the day in. And as a business coach serving your, your you know, your various clients and your podcast, um, you know, I would love to know how exactly you make all of those different parts of your life work together. You know, what tools or strategies are your go-tos? Give us a little peek behind the curtain into how you do life. 
Yeah, uh, it's it's certainly not perfect. Um, and I, I also, I feel like I need to, to say, you know, and acknowledge that um, I, I am the type of person I do not, I've never really struggled with productivity. I, I am the type, my all of, I just did the strengths finder and a lot of my strengths are execution. Like it's just not that difficult for me. It comes very mm-hmm. naturally to see what's on my plate, be able to prioritize it quickly and then allocate the time necessary to get those things done. All of that is something that does come naturally to me. And so if, if people are out there listening and they think like, you know, it, it can be discouraging listening to somebody who's strong where you are weak and make you feel mm-hmm. less than. Um, so I, I want to say that up front and just acknowledge that. But also all of these things are are, are skills that can be learned and areas where Absolutely. you can grow. So mm-hmm. just want to acknowledge that up front. But I try to think about from when it comes to my own personal productivity and all of this is stuff that I had to sort of develop after having kids um, mm-hmm. and after starting my own business. Because when I had my own business, or I'm sorry, when I was when I was working in a traditional job, I would show up at work and my boss would say, like, this is what you have to do. And then you just do it and you go home. Right. Um, but being in charge of what work gets done and having to do that prioritizing yourself is tough. So I like to think about having some flexible structures in my life that help me manage everything. Um, one of those flexible structures is a a weekly planning time. So every Sunday night I sit down and I follow you probably are familiar with with David Allen getting things done. Yes. Um I I follow I pretty much follow his weekly review process. Um mm-hmm. there's there's certain things that I've modified to fit my life. Um but kind of every Sunday night for a couple of hours after, after the kids go to bed, my husband and I both actually sit down um together and we go through everything on our plate. We clean out our email. We clean out our text messages. We we clean out our downloads folder. We kind of get clear and, and sort through all of the stuff that's come in over the past week. Um, yes. make, a, make a plan for the upcoming week. And that two-hour block of time every Sunday night is really one of the, one of the linchpins of almost everything else that happens in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I um, if you have not read Getting Things Done by David Allen, it's a little bit of a dry read, but though the process, <laughs> the process that he lays out for a weekly review is, has been pr- really transformative. Um, and to get my husband and I on the same page with that every Sunday night has been great. Um, yeah. So, so Katie, I'll be sure on. to I'll be sure to link up uh, David Allen's Getting Things Done. I've actually said on the podcast before that I absolutely love the principles and the techniques and the strategies inside Getting Things Done, but man, it is a tough book to read. Yeah, it's a skimmer for sure. (laughs) One thing that is really cool actually is he, um, in the last year, came out with a Getting Things Done workbook that simplifies the explanation for all of the processes of the capture system. Um, Let let me not go down too far of a nerding out tangent on getting things done, but I, I purchased the workbook just to see what it was all about. And it makes the process so much more digestible and easy to understand. So I'll be sure to link up both the workbook and the book. So you guys have some choices if you're interested in learning about the GTD system. 
Yes, I agree with that. If there's a, a more succinct version, then I would definitely recommend it. Um, and if you're not necessarily like a productivity geek, getting things done is probably going to not be very appealing. Um, but the overall idea of like sitting down once a week and looking at everything that's on your plate and deciding what to do next is is basically, it's the gist of it. Yes, so that's one of my, that's, that's a, one of my, you know, I like to think about flexible structures. Um, that's a flexible structure. Um, the second flexible structure that I, I use, or I've used more in a more robust way pre pandemic, it's a little bit more fluid now is time blocking. Um, and basically having, um, you know, set blocks of time on my calendar where I do certain types of things. Um, that has, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, has gotten really loosey goosey in the pandemic just because we're all here. I have a lot more people that I have to coordinate with in terms of how I arrange my time than I used to when I dropped my kids off in the morning and picked them up in the afternoon. Um, but the basic idea is to decide in advance where your time goes. Um, does it go to content? Does it go to client work? Does it go to fitness? Does it go to relaxing with your family? Where does it go? And so that you, you know what you're supposed to be doing when. Um, that's that's a, a really big tool that I've, I have used very, in almost every season of life, besides the one I'm in now, um, I guess I'm still using it. It's just a little bit more fluid. Oh yeah. We all have to be so much more adaptable now. It's- our lives are completely different than they were a year ago. And so even taking those cornerstone foundational time management strategies like time blocking and using them in a way that works, you've got to do what you got to do. Yeah, exactly. And I still, you know, the, the basic, I, the basic thing that I I do really encourage my clients and anybody who's self-employed to the starting point of time blocking is off is deciding office hours. When are you working and when are you not working? And if you can just do that as, as somebody who is trying to, to is struggling with time management, you are going to be leaps and bounds ahead of where you would be if you're just, um, if you're not using office hours, because people have different, different tendencies. Some people, if you don't have set office hours, they don't, they don't work enough. They don't show up every day. They don't, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be like, oh man, you know, I haven't, haven't worked in my business in a while. I should show up and maybe post something on social media. So there's that person. <laughs> um, the more common tendency is just working all the time, all the you know, time, all the time, every, every nook and cranny of your life, you're trying to get something done. And that's not a sustainable, that's not a sustainable right. way to live. And I'm guessing, especially for those of us that are self-employed, it's probably not why you started your business to just right. be working every single moment of your life. So if you can just have, you know, office hours are, I still have office hours, even though we're in the pandemic and it's like the, the first step to time blocking. Mm-hmm. Having those boundaries in place, you know, it's like you said, so many people become self-employed because they're looking for freedom, whether that's time freedom or freedom to choose the type of customers or clients they work with. And then so easily without ba- without boundaries, Parkinson's law comes into play and work expands to fill the time allotted and mm-hmm. it begins taking over every part of your life if you don't set those parameters. Yeah, absolutely. And what I love about setting office hours and time blocking all of this stuff is that it forces you to acknowledge what's already true, which is that your time is limited. Um, 
you know, everybody's time is limited. We don't, sometimes we think that our time is more limited than other people's time, but everybody's time is limited. You have a fixed amount of time that you're going to, that you have to work with. And so when you acknowledge that by doing things like time blocking and setting office hours, you, you force yourself to start making actual decisions about what's a priority and what's not. Um, sometimes if you are living in fantasy land where you're like, oh, I can do everything. I can do all the things. I just have to work harder and longer and more. Um, you don't, you don't end up making the deci- the hard decisions that you need to make of like, okay, I am one person. Maybe you have a virtual assistant or something, but you have limited resources and you have some things that you want to accomplish. What's going to be most important right now? And I think why so many people are so overwhelmed with you know, with feeling like they're pulled in a lot of different directions, feeling like they have too much on their list is because they haven't acknowledged, I can't do everything. I can't right. do all the things that I'm trying to do. I need to decide what's most important right now and let everything else be less important. Mm-hmm. It becomes a vicious cycle of starting your day with a to-do list that has 37 different tasks on it. Not prioritizing any of those tasks, skip hopping around, doing whatever feels right in the moment, and then ending the day feeling guilty for not doing all 37 things when in reality you maybe only had time to knock out four to five of them if you would have taken time to prioritize. Um, You know, one thing that one thing that we get so caught up in when it comes to productivity is that we we try to equate productivity with just doing things. But there's a little bit more to it than that. So tell me a little bit about your personal philosophy for productivity and how that translates to the way that you serve and coach your clients. Yeah. I think this has been an evolution for me because you know, I help clients with business planning, strategic planning, how to, you know, setting goals and then making a plan to get there. And I never really set out to really say anything to my clients or my audience about productivity because it's just not, it's not really what I consider to be my wheelhouse. But what I, what I, what I learned in the course of working with clients is that we would we would, you know, make a plan for their business. You know, here's what you're supposed to be doing over the next 90 days. Here are the projects. Here are the milestones you're trying to hit. Here are the targets and all of that stuff. And then my clients would look at me and be like, that's great. How am I supposed to do all of this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, we need to address productivity um, yes. because people feel overwhelmed. People feel overwhelmed by all of the things that they have to do and managing lots of different kinds of things. Um, and so I... I really try to help people to remember why that the the idea of being productive is is not just about doing things faster. It's not just about doing things more efficiently or figuring out a way like all of these ta- all of these time management time saving tactics are really good so long as the things that you're doing are the right things in the first place. Because there's no, it makes no sense to get more efficient at doing something that isn't getting you any results. Mm-hmm. And so I try to help people to take a step back and folk and really look at their businesses. And you know, and it doesn't have to just be in the context of having your own business. Look at your personal goals. Look at your professional goals. What you're trying to do in your organization. Take a step back and say, okay, this is the outcome that I want to get. What are the what are the highest value things? 
that I can do to make progress on those outcomes? And how can I make all of the other things that I have to do fit in, fit <laughs> into my life around those priorities? Um, and so that's really how I, I like to help people think about productivity because people do get overwhelmed by all the things that they have to do um, is to get them focused on the most important things those things that are connected to your highest goals, the outcomes that you most want to achieve, and let everything else sort of fall fall underneath that. Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. So as a practical example, you know, I, I, in my own business and with my clients, we do 12 month goals. So what are the goals that you're trying to achieve this year? And then we have a 90 day plan and that 90 day plan boils down your 12 month goals into, you have three goals for the quarter. What are three things you are trying to outcomes that you're trying to create? And then you have some some projects that are going to go into that. And then every single week, you have three things that are most the most important things that you need to get done that week. Three priorities. And then every single day, you have three things that you need to get done. So it's, there's a little bit of a rule of threes things, three rule of threes thing going on. I actually borrowed that from Michael Hyatt, but I don't have 25 things on my to-do list every day. I have three things that are the most important things. And then everything else goes on this other list of like other stuff that I can do if I get through my three things and that's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that may seem like, Katie, how could you possibly run a business and, and, you know, do everything with your family with just three things? And you would be really surprised that I think probably a lot of things that are on your to-do list aren't that important. 
They're not that important. So boiling it down to the highest value activities and letting everything else be less important is a really good way to make sure you're focusing on the things that actually matter, um, Mm -hmm. but also make you get to the end of the day feeling really good and be like, I got three really high value things done today. Those things are directly connected to the outcomes that I most want to to achieve in this quarter. And those outcomes are connected to the outcomes I want to achieve this year. And so that's kind of my, my overall approach, helping people understand the reason that it matters that we're productive, like, because productivity isn't an, isn't an end, right? It's not Mm -hmm. like getting the most things done in the least amount of time is not an end that we should be aspiring towards creating results with the minimal amount of effort is what we should be aspiring towards. Yes. Creating results with the minimal amount of effort is what we should be working towards. Absolutely. So let me make sure I've got this from you just so we can recap this. So what you recommend is starting with 12-month goals. What does someone, what do you want to accomplish in the next year? About how many goals do you think is appropriate to have for a year without overloading yourself? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, for a person that's, you know, I, I, I do tend to think about personal goals and business goals in separate categories. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for a person that has a business, um, I, I tend to recommend somewhere between three and seven. Yeah, There's three nothing, and seven. nothing magical about that. Um, and the way that I like to think about that is, is that you have your priorities, which are, which are thematic and broad. So like mm, one of yeah. my priorities, one of my priorities for 2021 is to build my audience, right? I want to keep growing my audience in, in quantity and also in quality of connection. So mm-hmm. I need to figure out a few ways that are measurable that will, will be a sign to me that I've achieved that priority. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to measure that priority in nine different ways. I'm right. going to pick a few different outcomes that that for me will mean that I've built my audience. So one of them is going to be um, building my email list to a certain number. Um, mm-hmm. And I just I just finished these. So I actually can't remember the other ones. But I think there's like maybe two <laughs> ways, like two ways I'm going to measure that, right? Like a, an email list number and another thing. Um, so let's if, say if you, it's email list, Instagram, and podcast downloads. We'll just like choose, we'll choose those three and say that those are the three. And what you're doing is you're giving yourself permission to not f- worry about all of the things and to not measure your growth by how many TikTok followers you have and how many LinkedIn connections you have and how many speaking engagements you do and how many Facebook you know, page follows you have, because what you've done is you've taken that priority, grow your audience, and you've chosen three ways. Yep that you want to measure that. That's got to be such a relief for so many of y'all listening who feel like you have to do all of the things. Absolutely. Because here's the thing, you can't do all the things. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. You have to choose. You have to choose the highest highest value um, platforms, the highest value activities, the highest value, the things that make the most sense for what you do. And Instagram followers is not even going to be a part of it for me. Because yeah, for me, just, <laughs> it's just not, it's just not something that I measure because 
I don't really feel like, you know, I only set goals for things that are going to change what I'm doing. Yes. If it's just business as usual, it doesn't need to be a goal. Like uh, the point of setting a goal is to push you forward and get you to take uncomfortable and bold action. I don't need to take uncomfortable and bold action on my Instagram. I'm doing it the way that I think I should be doing it. And so what I'm, what I need to focus on is the other things that are going to, to push me forward. And that's where I think people get, um, this is sort of devolving into goal setting, but I think the mistake that people make when it comes to goal setting is they think that if it's not a goal, it means you're not going to do it. Right. And so then people have 37 goals and they're like, I'm overwhelmed. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> yes, too many goals. And so just because something isn't necessarily like a, a focused outcome oriented goal that you're focusing on and you're putting on your bulletin board doesn't mean that it's not happening and that's right. not important. No, that is, that is perfect clarification. That's great clarification because we do very often, or I find that people very often get tasks confused with projects, confused with goals. And like you said, it just, it leads straight to overwhelm. Yes. And this is why people don't set goals is because they're like, oh, well, I set goals and I never achieve them. I'm like, okay, tell me about some of the goals that you had last year. And it was like, well, I had a goal to post to Instagram five times a week. And then I had another goal to update my website. And I had another goal to, um, go to go to five networking events a month and it's like okay back up yes back up (laughs) those aren't goals those are tasks those are projects and so you're not giving your the purpose of setting goals is to help you filter the tasks and the projects that are going to be the most helpful for you to achieve those goals and if your goals are just a list of tasks and projects you've taken away that filtering mechanism to know okay if what i need to do is make $20,000 this quarter if that's my goal you know what are the few projects that are going to help me get there and so i think you have hit the nail on the head that the confusion that people have between projects tasks and goals um, is is feeding this overwhelm that people already feel. Mm-hmm. So let's say that I am someone who's listening right now and I feel overwhelmed that I have 37 things on my to-do list and I have, you know, 27 goals for 2021. How do, what, what would be my first step to mm-hmm. start stripping it back and simplifying and, letting go so that I can move forward without overwhelm? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think there's a lot of like, of uh, questions that can sort of help you cut through that. But one I really like to use is when it is, you know, and sometimes thinking about a year is just too much. So maybe you need to start out by thinking about the next quarter, like Q1, Q1 or Q2 of 2021. What are you trying to accomplish? And so I, I would challenge you to think through if you could just accomplish one thing, mm-hmm. if you had one major accomplishment in the next three, three months, what would you want that to be? What's the most important thing for you to get, for you to make happen? Maybe it's, you want to get five new clients for a new program. Maybe it's, you want to, um, you know, make a certain amount of money. Maybe it's that you want to, to 
achieve a better work-life balance and only work a certain number of hours a week. Whatever the most important thing is, that becomes your goal. If you just do one thing in the next three months, what would that be? And that needs to become your goal. And then you can say, okay, this is my one objective. This is the one thing that's going to matter more than all of the other things. What needs to happen in order to get there? What needs to happen if I'm going to get five clients in the next three months? And so you can start to sort of ask yourself these these challenging questions um, that really do give you the freedom to say, okay, all that really matters this in the next quarter is making a certain amount of money. And anything that's not directly connected to that is going to go to the bottom of the of the, of the the bottom of the priority list. And like you said, it doesn't mean that you can't also do other things because I, I'm sure that there are people listening right now and thinking, but Katie, I can't do just one thing. You know, my boss at work has given me this list of projects that I have to accomplish that, mm-hmm. you know, how, how do I take, you know, a list of projects from my boss or directives or initiatives that I'm supposed to follow through with? And how do I pick just one thing from that list? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the same for a small business as well. Right. Cause even if you have your, your main priority, there are a certain, like there's a baseline amount of just stuff that you have to do to keep right. your business running. You have yeah. to send email newsletters, you have to post to social media, you have to look at your, you know, organize your receipts and, and look mm-hmm. at your bookkeeping and keep all of that up to date. So there's a baseline amount of administrative and, and creative work that is always going to happen. And it's not to say that you can just stop doing all of that other stuff. Right. And exactly. I sort of, I sort of rail, I sort of rail against, you know, I like Cal Newport a lot, but his idea that you can just like, you know, decide what your life's work is and just, and decide not to do anything else besides that is so unrealistic for 95% of people. Like we, yes. not all of us can be, can be monks. Like we have to, we have other stuff. We have to, we have emails, right? Um, right. So <laughs> That's where that's where your priorities intersect with your your time your time budget so to speak or your yeah. time blocking because I'm guessing you probably can't spend 30 hours a week spend 30 hours a week on your one thing but you can probably spend 4 or yes. 3 right you have some amount of time that you can dedicate to this really important thing otherwise it wouldn't be the most important thing Like if you're saying, oh, this is the most important thing I can possibly be pursuing in my business, but I have absolutely no time to spend on it, that's probably not your most important thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, it's a process of identifying what the priority is and what the, the overarching goal is, and then figuring out what time you're going to allocate to that. Maybe it's a certain, uh, certain day of the week or a certain half day of the week or Saturday mornings or Sunday nights. There's some time in there that you can devote to it if it's important. Which actually brings us all the way back to how you keep office hours and use time blocking as your personal productivity strategies. You could do the same thing with your one thing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're most important, if you're one thing that you, you is most important for you, 
this this quarter is to launch a new group coaching program or something like that, then you need a little block of time on your calendar that's dedicated to that. And it's challenging to keep those commitments to yourself when there's not necessarily anyone. And this is where, you know, I really like the Eisenhower matrix, which I'm sure you've talked about before, is that things that are important aren't always urgent, aren't always time sensitive, but it doesn't necessarily make them less important. So it's hard to keep those kind of commitments and appointments with yourself when there's nobody that's necessarily like, hey, what about that group coaching program? But, but, you know, learning to keep those commitments to yourself is, is a really big part of what it means to manage time effectively, whether you have your own business or not. Right. Right. Learning to keep those commitments to yourself, whether those commitments are moving you closer to your goals, whether they are rest or self-care related, because we all need to make time for some form of that. Um, So here's an interesting question making time for our most important thing, especially when, you know, we don't have a boss necessarily standing over us, micromanaging us, holding us to it. You know, what are the strategies that you recommend for keeping commitments to yourself whenever it's a whole lot easier to procrastinate and put them off for later or let that time be eaten up by something else that pops up? Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do that. I think one of them is, you know, don't make, I have I've made the mistake in the past of like, I'm going to spend Wednesdays doing X, Y, Z. And then I don't update my scheduler and I'm like, Oh shoot, I have an appointment now on Wednesday. So making sure that all of your, yeah, all of your systems reflect what you're trying to do, I think is a, a, is a basic one. Um, I think practicing, practicing saying no, Right. So practicing saying things like I'm not available at that time. Um, you know, it was hard for me at first to to turn down social invitations back in a time when we actually had social invitations for Sunday nights because right. we we just can't not have that planning time. Yeah. Um, but at first it was it felt weird saying, you know, I couldn't meet up with people on Sunday night because I was going to be working. Um, but you know, practicing different ways to say like, that's not going to work for me, that I'm not available. Um, And then the other thing is I look for ways, you know, being self-employed, you kind of have to look for ways to hold your, hold your, you know, rear end to the fire, so to speak, because there Mm -hmm. isn't anybody necessarily telling you what to do is I, for a lot of things, I sell them before I make them. Um, so I will say like, Hey, I'm doing a new course. Um, the course is going to be on this. This is the outline. If you want to buy it at a super discounted rate before I ever make it, um, you know, here's the link basically Mm -hmm. to my audience is that's, that's a a very, uh, short summary of, of that launch strategy, but giving myself like, like these customers have bought this program. It's, it's now on me to deliver it. Giving myself yeah. those sort of delivery deadlines has been really helpful um, because otherwise, you know, you've, I'm sure you've created stuff in the past. Like it's really hard to spend a lot of time and energy creating something. Um, and then you, you know, you never finish it or maybe you finish it and nobody wants it. Um, so giving yeah. myself like uh, 
not false deadlines, but real ones. Like I told these people that this video was going to be available on January 9th. So I better get it done. So figuring out ways, yeah, figuring out ways to give myself the deadlines that I really need to be successful, announcing things in advance, right? Mm -hmm. Like announcing, you know, I, the other day for my group coaching program, I just announced the schedule for the next six months. And so now if I go back on the coaching call schedule or the different workshops that we're going to be having, if I go back on that now, I'm not just breaking the commitments that I've made to myself. I'm breaking mm -hmm. the commitments I've made to them, which is a really yes. big deal. Um, so figuring out how you're motivated um, and it can you, you – know, I know a lot of people – Maybe they don't care so much if they break their commitments to themselves. But they care a lot if they break commitments to other people. So figuring out how you can uh, create these scenarios where you have where you have committed to do things to other people and they're counting on you um, has been has been really helpful for me. I mean, my podcast is another example. When I started my podcast, I told my listeners, "This is a weekly podcast." Period. And so now. I'm like, I better show up on Thursdays for my podcast because I've yes. told my people it's a weekly <laughs> podcast. And so yeah. I'm not, I'm not taking breaks. I'm not taking, not taking time off. This is a weekly podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but I could have, I didn't have to say that. I could have just said like, Hey, this is my podcast. And then, you know, been a little bit more willy nilly with it, but I decided not to do that because I wanted to create the podcast consistently. So I think yes. there are, there are things like this that you can work in, um, for, to give yourself a little bit of accountability. Mm -hmm. So, so what I'm definitely hearing as a top recommendation is to understand what motivates you to a degree, you know, do you need that external accountability? In what form does external accountability work best for you? It uh -huh. actually reminds me a lot of Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies that she talks yes. about in her book, Better Than Before. And then in the book, Four Tendencies, um, the rebel, the obliger, the questioner, and the upholder. And most people are obligers. The most common type is obligers, which means that that external accountability really is necessary. And it's so wonderful because although it can feel hopeless to, to, to feel that you are someone who has to rely on external accountability in order to really get things done, there are so many different options when it comes to external accountability. You can work with a coach one-on-one. -on -one. You can do yeah. a group coaching program like what you offer. You can share publicly. Uh, I did the same thing whenever I announced the uh, launch date for my podcast a month and a half in advance. All right, it's out there. Got to make yeah. it happen now. It's happening. <laughs> Full speed ahead. Um, you can work with a mentor or an accountability partner. There really are so join a mastermind. There are so many different options that exist for accountability. And, you know, when it comes to keeping those commitments to yourself, accountability really does play a big role in that. And it just, this has been such a co fun conversation, Katie, because you really, we've really, rustled through how so many of these things are connected. You know, productivity yeah. is based on goal setting. Goal setting is led by and driven by priorities. You follow through with your goals by making commitments to yourself and you follow through with those commitments by having accountability in place. 
Yeah, that's a great summary. <laughs> this has been such a fun episode, Katie, um, especially for me, someone who loves <laughs> geeking out about different time management strategies. And, um, you know, overall, just, you know, hearing from you with your personal philosophy of productivity and how it really is so much more than just stronger, better, faster, more, you know, it's about doing the right things. I just really appreciate that perspective that you've brought to the show today and that I know that you bring to your clients in helping them achieve success in their businesses. So before we go, I have to ask, you know, you're a busy mom, you've got virtual school going on, you're cooking three meals a day, you're running your business, you're serving your clients. So tell me what you would do with an extra hour in your day. Oh my gosh. Um, what I, what I is probably true, which is like the more honest answer is work. Um, because I like working and, you know, I, I feel like, and it's really specific to COVID, like just during COVID, I have not had the time that I've really wanted to do all the things that I would like to do. Um, so I wish that wasn't my answer because that, you know, betrays, you know, my true character a little bit, but (laughs) I, you know, what I would like to be my answer and what I really would like to be a part of my life. And I have not figured out a way to, to make it a priority is language learning. Um, we, we lived overseas for a year and a half in 2015 and 16. We lived in, in Jerusalem and in Jerusalem, I I didn't have a work visa and the kids were in preschool. So I didn't have, I didn't have much going on. So I went to uh, language school and learned Hebrew and it was so fun. And granted, I had like a lot of motivation in that time because it was like a survival thing um, nice. of being able to know whether I was buying yogurt or cottage cheese. Oh, but goodness. I um, it was so much fun. And I, I really want language like regular language learning to be a part of my life. But it just has not um, not been a priority in the past several years. But right. I have not I have not yet set my personal goals for 2021. So it might it might show up. Hey, there's still time. What what yeah. language would you pursue next? Um, I think that I actually was a Spanish minor in college, um, but didn't do much with Spanish after college. And so I've lost a lot of, of the, of what I know, but I know it's still in there somewhere. So I think I would like to revisit that. Oh, well, how, how awesome. Well, I wish you all the best in pursuing language learning and everything else that you have in your future for 2021 and beyond. Katie, thank you again for joining me today. And how can we stay in touch with you uh, after the show? Yeah, the best place to stay in touch with what I'm doing is Instagram. It's just at Katie Wusso on Instagram. And I also have a podcast called The Game Changer. It's a business strategy podcast for creative entrepreneurs and other service-based businesses. You should check it out. Wonderful. I will be sure to link up your website, your Instagram, uh, share links to the podcast, the whole nine yards over in the show notes for this episode. And um, really look forward to staying in touch with you, Katie. This has been such a fun, robust conversation on all things productivity. And I'm really thankful for your time today. Thank you so, so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Definitely. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. And there you have it. 
True productivity is about way more than crossing things off of a list. It starts with knowing your priorities and then bringing them to life on the pages of your calendar and on the lines of your to-do list. This week, I challenge you to think about your priorities and ask yourself if they're present on the pages of your planner and to consider choosing a top three for the day instead of navigating the overwhelm of a super long, probably impossible to-do list. I know you can do it, and it might just change your life. You can find links to the productivity tools that Katie mentioned, as well as links to the Getting Things Done workbook by David Allen, Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies, and links to stay in touch with Katie by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 69. And before we go, let me tell you about next week's episode. Next week's episode, episode 70, is all about taking a break. And I don't mean a quick 15-minute walk between your time blocks. As I'm recording this, my plan is to kick off maternity leave on March 1st, 2021. Now, we all know that babies come on their own schedules. So by the time this episode airs, I may already be on maternity leave. But either way, planning for extended time off from work, whether it's to welcome a new baby address health issues or have surgery, take a sabbatical, do some extended travel or something else, planning for extended time off from work can feel pretty daunting. So in episode 70, I'll share how I prepped for my upcoming extended time off from a work, personal, and financial standpoint. Hopefully giving you a peek into my process can inspire how you prep next time you get ready to set your out-of-office message. All right, thanks again for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.